Hello, I'm Tom Moan, and today I'm beginning an old and yet continuing adventure. In 1968, my family and I returned to Tulsa, where I became the general manager of KORUFM and Oral Roberts, radio announcer. At that time, from 1968 until March of 71, I had a daily program entitled Good Morning Brother Pilgrim. And now, after 50 years, I'm resurrecting it with a new title, Good Morning, Fellow Pilgrim. And a pilgrim is a person who's on a journey, and in this case, a journey of the kingdom of God on earth as Jesus prayed. So I hope you'll join me as we look into the past, the present, and the future. This is the Good Morning, Fellow Pilgrim podcast with Tom Moan for December 6th, 2019. Well, once again, good morning, fellow pilgrims. It's a delight to be with you again, and we just invite the Holy Spirit to enable us to share together. As in our last podcast, I had two of my sons share with me, Matt and Paul, and hopefully I'll have them in succeeding podcasts to share. But I wanted to do a little review to kind of bring us up to date. We've been talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And he says that right after he has said, your heavenly father knows you need food, shelter, and clothing, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all of that. The important thing is, is, and I've been trying to say it as many ways as I know how, Going back to John 3 and Nicodemus, John 4, woman at the well, the men at the festival, and and everything is that we live in two realms when we're born again from above. Nicodemus didn't get it. The woman at the well didn't get it. And indeed, Jesus is telling them, until the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, you don't, you can't, you're unable to live in the two realms. Realm 1 is the natural realm, the common sense realm, and the basic needs are food, shelter, and clothing. But in the kingdom of God, the basic need is first to know the will of the Father. And in our podcast last time, both Matthew and Paul shared a bit about what it is to really hear what Jesus prefaces the Lord's Prayer with, which is, your heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask. Therefore, in other words, because he already knows what you need. Therefore, our Father. In other words, before we unload our list of of needs in our life and the things that we're praying about, which are absolutely legitimate and God hears them, he's saying that when you learn to live out of that other realm in this natural realm, that you're beginning to live and walking in the now of God in the Holy Spirit. So that you come before him and you say, Father, what's on your mind? What do you know that I need to hear today? What is the daily bread that flows from you to me that I might live it out in this realm, this natural realm, from the other realm? And that's what we've been talking about. And we've been talking about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And he's always now... uh, in uh, my uh, uh, 
<laughs> I was trying to think of what it was I was going to say. I have a devotional that I often read, and it's from uh, the uh, uh, Ransomed Heart, which is uh, John Eldridge and his wife Stacy. And a few days ago, she did a devotional that just really began to speak to me, and it's something that I will be wanting to talk about a little more in the future. But I want to read this devotion. It's from November the 28th, 2019. And I just, I want to take it very slow. She entitled it, Perfection Isn't the Goal, Jesus Is. And she writes, Jesus is inviting us to relax into the beauty he has bestowed upon us and see striving to attain a level of smooth perfection that looks wonderful on a doll or on a magazine cover, but is not attainable in the living, breathing realm of humanity. God does not tell us that the goal is perfection. Perfection in any vital area of our life is not going to happen. There I said it. Now we can improve, we can grow, we can become more loving, more grace-filled, more merciful. We are no longer bound to sin, slaves to its din of temptation. We are still going to sin, but we don't have to. The secret is Jesus. Our hope doesn't rest on our finally getting it together. Our hope rests in Jesus, Jesus in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul says, quote, To them God chose to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 We won't be perfect on this side of heaven, but Jesus is perfect always. We are becoming more holy and true. Jesus already is. His name isn't becoming, it is I am. Perfection isn't the goal, Jesus is. Now I read that devotional from Stacy because it's so important for us to realize, again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that we must be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And if you read that in one, one context, you say, wow, there's not much hope for me, I can't be perfect and we sort of go back to Romans 7, remember, about the flesh and sin and all of that. But what I want us to see is that, as I've said about E. Stanley Jones when he said, look at the Sermon on the Mount not as a prescription of what you are able to go and do and believe and act out in your life, but as a description of the life of Jesus in you. And that's what's so important. I wanted to... Uh, read something else about the kind of thing that I read from Stacy, and it's from the preface to the letters of Peter in the message written, as you know, by uh, <laughs> Peterson. And uh, I had the privilege years ago of writing him and thanking him for the prefaces that he wrote to each of the books of the Bible, and uh, he was kind enough to write back and say it was totally unexpected, and and that uh, God really led him at that time. But I want to read his introduction to First and Second Peter, and here's what he writes. Peter's concise confession 
You are the Messiah, the Christ. Focus the faith of the disciples on Jesus as God among us, in person, carrying out the eternal work of salvation. Peter seems to have been a natural leader, commanding the respect of his peers by sheer force of personality. In every listing of Jesus' disciples, Jesus puts Peter's name first. In the early church, his influence was enormous and acknowledged by all. By virtue of his position, he was easily the most powerful figure in the Christian community. And his energetic preaching, ardent prayer, bold healing, and wise direction confirmed the trust placed in him. The way Peter handled himself in that position of power is even more impressive than the power itself. He stayed out of the center, didn't wield power, maintained a scrupulous subordination to Jesus. Given his charismatic personality and well-deserved position at the head, he could easily have taken over, using the prominence of his association with Jesus to promote himself. That he didn't do it, given the frequency with which spiritual leaders do exactly that, is impressive. Peter is a breath of fresh air. The two letters Peter wrote exhibit the qualities of Jesus that the Holy Spirit shaped in him, a readiness to embrace suffering rather than prestige, a wisdom developed from experience and not imposed from a book, a humility that lacked nothing in vigor or imagination. From what we know of the early stories of Peter, he had in him all the makings of a bully. That he didn't become a bully, and religious bullies are the worst kind, but rather the boldly confident and humbly self-effacing servant of Jesus Christ that we discern in these letters, is a compelling witness to what he himself describes as a brand new life with everything to live for. Now I read that because when we talk about living out of the kingdom of God and living out of that other realm, oftentimes there's a, a kind of, I'm, I'm trying to find words to describe a kind of perfectionism that grows within us. That's why I read Stacy Eldridge's devotional for that day on the 28th. Because oftentimes we're thinking we're supposed to be perfect. And yet when we read in the first epistle of John, it says that when we sin, we have to repent. So as long as we're in this realm, living this, before we enter the kingdom of God fully and completely and shake off these old bodies, glory to God, we've got to realize that that perfectionism can be a terrible burden, a religious bullying. And I've seen it in denomination after denomination. It seems to me that each denomination can, not always, but often can have a different list that you got to live up to. Let me give you kind of a silly example that I use at a place that I go to several times a week here in Tulsa. It's Prairie Rose. It's a retirement village, and I've fallen in love with the people there. And we sing a lot of the old gospel songs. And one of the old gospel songs that I just love is called Jesus Paid It All. 
I'm going to sing it for you very quickly. And the chorus goes, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. It's a beautiful chorus, and we would sing it together. And one day we were talking about this kind of perfectionism, Christian perfectionism, I don't know another way to to speak of it, that has been foisted upon people from denominations. And what happens is, Jesus didn't pay it all. There's all this that we've got to pay. And that's what Peter writes about in his first and second. It's not things that we pay. It's the result of the perfection of Jesus that we are able to, as he says, roll up our sleeves and put our mind in gear and be totally ready to receive what Jesus can give so that we don't slip back into those old kind of uh, attitudes that we had before we were born again. And in First and Second Peter, he talks about adding to your faith this, this, and this. So one morning on a Sunday when I was together with my brethren there, I just said, I'm going to play a little game with them. I said, let's all sing Jesus Paid It All, and I'm going to sing it first, and then if you want to sing the same thing, you join with me. Jesus paid 55%, you owe 45 and the place went silent. And he said, no, no, that's not the way it goes. And I said, well, of course it isn't. We know that. But the problem is, for some in their denominationalism, I can remember a Watchman Nee little pamphlet years and years ago, which was entitled, Forgive Our Denominating Against One Another. And maybe in some denominations, it's almost true. Jesus paid 55, and then, boy, you got to get your 45% in there, and they'll have a list of things you've got to do, and if you don't do these things, it's all over for you. Well, then another group may have, well, Jesus paid 65, and we only pay 35. The point is, is that in Jesus Christ, he's paid it all. All to him we owe. And I think the day is coming by the Spirit when we're no longer going to have to denominate against one one another. It's as though these theologies can be very clean and clear and right, but they put upon the believers a kind of bullying that, well, we know you're really going on because you do this, 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 and this. And each denomination kind of has its own list. I found that to be true in conservative as well as in liberal churches. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Now we are all aware that we have to learn how to live out of that realm of the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of to Nicodemus and to the woman at the well. And you and I must learn by the Spirit to live out of that realm of the kingdom of God. And that releases us then from this kind of religious uh, mystery that Stacy talked about in her devotional, this kind of perfectionism. Because this perfectionism can just produce such 
bullying, and I love that word that he used in the preface to the Petrine letters, the bullying that goes on in some denominations. Who is perfect? Jesus is perfect. What is important is for you and I to learn to live out of that spirit realm. Well, we're going to probably be back and have our round table with my sons in the future. Until then, I just invite you by the Holy Spirit to just be encouraged by the scripture that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that we so desperately need, he shall add unto us. It's really true. Seek first the kingdom. And when we pray that Lord's Prayer then, we're saying, Father, show us what we need today, and he will. Father, I ask that you'll bless my listeners in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This podcast is available for free download in iTunes and at moanministriesbookstore.com. Sarah Rahm's album, Days of Rain, is available on iTunes and most streaming platforms.